Hi, my name is Rainy May, and welcome to Decoding the Man, the podcast. This podcast is about having tough conversations in a safe space for men, whether it's talking about vulnerability, masculinity, or body image. But what we're talking about is having safe, open, honest conversations with a wonderful group of men. I hope you have a lovely day and tune in. Buckle up, get a coffee, sit in your seat, on the go train, wherever you are, but tune in for episodes of Decoding the Man. The views expressed by the individuals in this episode are solely the opinions and experiences of the guests on Decoding the Man. So today we're going to be talking about the love languages. We're specifically going to be talking about the love language of touch, but for people who don't know what the five love languages are, I'm going to explain what they are. Uh, So number one, and this is not in specific order, uh, but there are five love languages according to Gary Chapman. So one is acts of service. Um, So what, uh, it's like, you know, taking out the garbage or like doing the dishes or running an errand for your partner. So it's an act of service. Uh, The other is words of affirmation. So I love you. I care about you. I support you. Language, how do we verbalize that? Three is time. So spending quality time with somebody um, and making that time valuable. And so they know whether it's how you offer that time to them or they're asking you for time. Uh, Four is gifts. So it could be um, big gifts, little gifts. What's the intention behind the gift? Um, And the one we're going to be focusing on is touch. So that could be hugs. That could be (laughs) connection. Uh, This is not video, so you don't know why I'm laughing. (laughs) But touch, and what does it mean, right? Uh, and what does it mean for you? And sometimes when you start to bring touch into relationship, because I feel like men connect with acts of service often in touch. Uh, and so what does that mean for you? And how does that translate into your relationships? Uh, so I know this one's supposed to be fun. <laughs> it might just be fun for me. Um, but speaking of love language of touch, do you think that that's a way that you like to receive love? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know I feel what? like that was a strong <laughs> yes, Roman. Oh, no, sorry. For me too. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, um, From who? <laughs> that's my first you know question. And I, and I didn't even realize it until my wife actually explained to me what the the five love languages were. And it, and it's not that I hold it to the highest regard um, amongst the five, right. but I think it's just what I respond to the most. Right. Um, so it could be, it's something as simple as, you know, we could be sitting on the couch watching TV and she's got my hand or her hand on my leg or her, her hand or her arm around me. Sorry. Uh, little things like that, um, that I guess subconsciously what I think about it is, you know, that's what makes me feel loved. Just the, just little things like that, holding hands, uh, a peck on the cheek, little things like that. Though, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that I guess I I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that's what I've always enjoyed in in all my previous relationships. So, uh, I didn't re- even realize the importance of all of this until she actually broke it down for me. But I guess that's the one that respond that resounds to me the most, or what I respond to the most. Any other thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I know this oh. is a tough one. Um, but touch, that's real, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we can talk more about holding hands to sex. Like it's a whole spectrum of touch. And what does that mean for you as a man? Um, when you like to receive love that way, what does that mean for you? 
I think it's like acceptance or um, in a sense of like someone is, I guess, physically showing their affection towards you, right? So it's right. in the sense of someone is saying, you know, through their, their hands, you know, if it's kissing, hugging, whatever, mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, they, they adorn you in the sense where they want to show you in a physical manner. You know, it could lead to like something, you know, uh, sincere and sitting on a couch and holding hands to things that happen um, possibly a little bit too much during the times. But I'm just saying to keep it like, you know, uh, simple, it's just sometimes a touch really does matter, like it, it, in the sense of just enjoyment and, and, and connection. For me, it's a lot of yeah. it's a lot about connection. No, yeah, that t- I mean, for me, that's exactly what it is, is like within that moment, this is what you're thinking and it's something tangible. Uh, they're, they're just showing that affection mm-hmm. within that moment. And to me personally, that speaks volumes, I guess, uh, as little as that gesture might be, whether it's, you know, holding hands or a peck on the cheek, um, just within that moment, it just makes you feel loved. And I guess, you know, to me, that's important. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I find that it's sort of like the, um, it ends up being kind of the, the the period to a sentence in some ways where, um, you know, if you're having a really rough day or, you know, your significant other's having a really rough day, it's like you could communicate, you could talk, you could do any other things, but ultimately it might just be something as simple as a hug or, you know, um, you know, holding each other for a moment and it's just that affirmation that, no, you know, I got you, everything's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Exactly uh, and that right, can yeah. mean so much more emotionally, um, where you know it doesn't always have to lead down to road to something more physical. It's just that <laughs> no, that's exactly that moment it, yeah. is important, um, where it's sort of kind of a, a validation. Right. I'm just gonna add our I don't know our <laughs> sense of touch seems to make it more real, which okay. is really weird. It's uh like I mean it's all it's always real, but it seems to ground us. Whether it's with our partners or even like, I don't know, your friends like, hey, come over and look at my brand new car. You want to like sit in it. You want to touch it. You do. You want to sit in the car and you want to touch it. and you Test drive it. Yeah, you want to test drive it. Um, right? I don't know. There's this weird thing about touch. It just, it connects us, right? right. Whether it's to another person or to an object, it's, it, it, it's just... I don't know. It's a weird bonding thing. Like it's almost like it's not real until you can actually reach out and, and actually That's physically true. touch it, and then it becomes real. Yeah. Okay. It's like kids. Like, can I can I can I touch it? Can I hold it? Can I touch? Like it's like look, you, you can't touch it. You can look with your eyes, not touch it. Right. But they have that thing that they want to touch it. They want right. to feel it. A touch and feel type of thing. And right. Not saying that our partners are like want to touch and feel all the time <laughs> but it's not but when you to. touch her you know she's there you know yeah, it's real it's like you're not yeah. you're real you know? yeah this we're in the moment exactly yeah so yeah so touch matters so what we're saying like what you're I'm hearing is like touch matters <laughs> yeah uh, and like to what degree does it matter because now when we're talking about touch as a love language this is how you like to receive love from a partner um, and this sound it may be how you want to offer but is does that resonate with your partner? So does your partner, do you feel, understand your desire for touch as an important love language? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't hesitate there. My partner, my wife loves to, uh, you know, hold hands and <laughs> hug and 
you know, when we're passing each other in the kitchen, there's some squeezing involved of, you know, certain areas. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's definitely part of our, our uh, relationship. Right. The sense of touch and, and how we show affection to each other. But I also think, like, it's also a sense of, like, reassurance or support. Like, if someone, your partner's going through a, a trying time, you can say all the right things, but it, sometimes, like, a... You know, clasping their hand and, and, and rubbing your thumb over them and making sure that's a, it's a tenderness, it's a softness, but it's like that is like a physical reassurance that things are going to be okay. Right. Or the saying is a hug, hug makes everything better, right? Yes. Yeah, well, even like I find, um, you know, we're so busy all the time that I have to try to remember to like, before I go, you know, give a kiss or a hug or something like that. Right. And sometimes I don't. And, you right. know, and it's, and it's so my wife will always be quick to like, Give me that look, you know, and you're like, oh, shit, yeah, I got better yeah. go back. And, yeah. But, but um, you know, that's a weird moment, too, because as your lives get really busy, like, do you, do you stay conscious to make the time right. or make the effort to do something as simple as, like, a little hug or a peck or something like that? Right. And so when you think about touch, though, it's also an emotional connection. Absolutely. Right? So sometimes we look at touch and, like, yes, I'm touching this tangible thing, whatever it might be. But there's now, it's not just, like, the person that you're receiving the touch from or you're requesting the touch from is a person who has emotion. And that emotion is connected to touch. Just like you say that when I'm touched, I receive love. Yes, it's connected to emotion. Do I understand the complexity of that? Uh, If I just show up and say, I'm here. (laughs) Um... What does that really translate to for your partner or for yourself? Well, I mean, I think I think that's what the key is, right? Is I mean, the whole reason why these these five love, love languages were outlined in the first place is knowing, not only knowing what you what's important to you, but right. knowing what's important to your partner, right. and and being able to communicate that because. For me personally, if, if touch is the one I respond to the most, that's going to be my natural inclination is to reciprocate that. Right. But if my partner, if that's not her number one right. language, then the, the message that I'm trying to come uh, get across might not get across exactly the way I want it to because that's not what she responds to. Right. So the key is knowing what your partner responds to right. first and foremost and that just kind of just goes back to communication in general. It's knowing what they respond to, what's right. important to them first and foremost, right. and being able to communicate that way. Yeah, I don't think we take the time to find out or even ask. That's it. No. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it also, in a sense, like knowing that there's you know, the five love languages, mm-hmm. that you can, can manipulate the other person while identifying what they like. So if someone likes gifts, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to buy this girl a nice <laughs> <little> purse, <laughs> and I want to get myself my, my touch. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you can read it and you can manipulate it in a right. way. So if you're really mm-hmm. that in tune with that, you can kind of gauge how they are. So if it's like tasks, oh, maybe I cut the lawn today, you know, <laughs> no, I put, I put, you yeah. know, I edged it, you know, and she's like, Oh my gosh, that's so nice. But you know, you know that, this is how she recognizes it, right? Right. And then you know you're going to get yours in the end, right? So where's my love language language, to touch? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm going to love language you. (laughs) You know, so I find it's like you can use it, but it's like it's like a power for for good than evil, right? Like, Right. You have to decide how you're going to use it. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, we're also talking about like desire. 
For sure. Right? So it's like, do I feel desired by my partner? What makes me feel desired by my partner? But who doesn't want to? And and that's the thing that leads into, you know, if you're not getting that from that person, if you're Mm -hmm. not feeling desired by the person you want to be with, Mm -hmm. there's only so much like, no, you can take. And then people have a breaking point where it's like, I'm tired of being rejected. I'm tired of being rejected. I'm tired of being rejected. And I guess the point is like, you know what? I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to save myself. And sometimes people look somewhere else. Right. So thinking about what to, on that theme of desire and, and going somewhere else, like what is the break point though? Hmm. I think maybe the constant rejection of the person you want it from and possibly acceptance of other people. So if someone's giving you what you want, right? but they're not who you want it from. Then if you keep right. on hitting like a, a dead end with that your significant mm-hmm. other, you may just put the you know the car in reverse and then point it towards a direction where you have acceptance. But see, uh, communication is key here because like you know if it, a lot of people they don't even bother to try to figure out what the no. block is. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like oh well, that's how they feel. So right. You know, I'm I'm this relationship is over or I'm going to seek other things, but that's ridiculous. Like I think. Um, you know, just talking and being open and honest solves a lot of problems. And sometimes you have to pry it out of the other person. Um, right. But it's, it's, it's like feeling rejected, big deal. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get rejected. You're going to feel that way. But without resolving it, right. you know, to try to move on, um, I find is like you're not, you're giving up. You're not, you're not taking the time to figure out what the problem is. And you know what? Sometimes people are not compatible and that happens and there's nothing right. wrong with that. Right. But to truly explore all avenues and then go, we just don't match. Like, right. I get that. But when I, I hear kind of what Roman's saying from a lot of guys where it's like, oh, well, you know, this is happening or this is happening. I'm just sick of it. And then they get attention from someone else. And they right. kind of like that attention. Mm-hmm. I can empathize. I can understand, right. you know, why they would like that attention. But right. like, come on, you know, it's, right. it's that point where it's like, well, you should try to solve the problem first instead of leaving unfinished business. So you talked about something, there's a wall, right? So when my partner rejects me, um, there's a wall between us, right? Between our intimacy. Mm-hmm. And now <clears throat> can I figure out what's the, what's like brick by brick? What are right. the bricks that created that wall? And can I figure out maybe I can take one down and investigate it? Exactly. Uh, but if I never take down that wall, I may go and find something somewhere else, but that wall may appear somewhere else in different forms yeah. with somebody else. And I think, I think too, we get a lot of self-validation or even just validation through peers where we, you know, like if, if you don't choose to pursue that path or break down that wall or figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. someone else might be like, well, you know, it's okay. And, and again, back to that idea of not exploring your own emotions or not being willing to openly talk or be free. It causes right. that kind of thing, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I've, I've seen it, right, where you right. have friends who are in either a good relationship that goes bad uh, or they're in a bad relationship and they just can't figure out what's working and what isn't, but right. they won't take the time to figure it out, right. you know. Which is, which is okay. Either way, whatever happens, it is what it is, but right. it's whether I do step out and look for that validation, what's my recovery? At some point, I have to deal with myself. Um, what is it that I was seeking and what was I seeking in an experience? Uh, was it validation? Was it being desired? What is happening in that space? Yeah, but I, think, happen- I yeah. think sometimes like you, you might be the problem too, right? And if right. you're not willing to like explore within or even think about that as an option, right. then you're just doomed to repeat that. 
Right. Um, where, you know, you're going to, you're going to go into another relationship and see the same patterns arise. Part of it is self-awareness is really what we're talking about is, will I take the time to become aware of what's happening for me, uh, whether I have already stepped into that other zone uh, or I decide that I'm going to step back into myself to discover it. Um, but part of it is what do I like? What do I need? What do I want? Uh, and do I feel comfortable enough to verbalize some of those things? That's the thing. If it's like you're in a relationship that you have a lot of things invested in. Right. And you're feeling this way, um, or feeling possibly rejected right. by the other person, I think you got to like really communicate and communicate and communicate and let that person know. Um, because if you don't and you give up and you throw something good away or you just basically go somewhere else that's less resistant on that and you're going to get that acceptance, right. like you're not really doing a a service to yourself or the relationship. Like right. if it's been a long time and you guys have gone through a lot of stuff, are you willing to throw it to the side if things are just not working, you know, in bed, right. for instance? Like maybe there's something going on with that person that, you know, hormonally, like physically, emotionally, that they don't feel, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't feel like being intimate with you, right? It's, it's also expectations. You can't just expect your partner to be, you know, willing to, be aligned to everything you're feeling at that given moment, yeah. right? And and I think you have to have realistic expectations amongst each other. That's how I think a good relationship flourishes, right? Where it's if you if you have ridiculous expectations, then they're going to fail them, and then you're going to create something that's toxic. Or if you have realistic expectations, then you know you're you're kind of pushing, you're propping each other up at that point, right. so you're going to succeed. You know, I, I think that's a whole other dynamic, right? Where it's like, if, if, um, like you said, if someone's having like issues in bed, well, if they're expecting that, you know, it's going to be great all the time, you know what I mean? Then <laughs> it's not going to be right. And like, you hear that sometimes from people where it's like, they'll start complaining about it because they're something's going on or they're not getting what they feel like they need or right. what they want, but they're not really willing to investigate sort of what's going on. And they have this expectation in their head that it should always be a certain way. Right. There's this uh, really interesting book. It's called Mating in Captivity. It's by Esther Perel. It's also an audiobook. Just saying. <laughs> um, but she talks about, she says this, there's this really interesting phrase that um, in a marriage, um, things happen, challenges happen, people may step out or step in or whatever it is, but at some point, will you agree to accept that this part of a marriage died and we'll start a new one together? So this concept that I can be with someone for 10 years, 15 years, however long, five years, whatever, um, and I'm changing. Each person is changing. Mm -hmm. And will you get to know that new person they're changing into? Or will you say, you know, for the next three years that you're this person, I don't really want to know who you are. I'm just going to check out for a bit and then come back. Right. But we do that in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like at some point it's like, OK, this part died. Do you want to start again? Um, and that becomes a question. Can we start a new relationship within this one? Which if we were missing desire or if we were missing these other things or connection, can we try to infuse it into the new one that we're going to build together? I don't feel like we got too off topic. <laughs> um, but I think what we're also talking about is, in, and I, I guess this is, is a question to put out there is, what actually makes you feel desired by your partner? Um, if you can't answer now, that's okay. But it's something to contemplate, right? If you could break it down, what actually makes you feel desired? Maybe like a look. 
I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Maybe it's a look. Like, it's like that like long lingering look. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, I wear like a lot of jeans and, and you know, button shirts. Like, not even dress up button shirts or t-shirts for work. Mm-hmm. However, those are rare occasions that I throw a suit on. <laughs> and that's where that long lingering look happens. And it's like, oh, this, 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 where did this come from, right? But then I, I, I feel as though if I, I keep on wearing suits all the time, then she'll be acclimated to that. That will be my new jeans and t-shirt. It becomes the norm. Right. It becomes a norm, right? So I'm like, I can't, you know, treat you like this all the time. You know? <laughs> but I, I feel as though sometimes it's that look, that some look that it's like that long lingering, like, right. wow, you know, that wow right. look, and it, it makes you feel good because if you get that from your partner, that right. even means more than walking out on the street and then getting in from anybody right. and then you know it may feel nice it may feel validated but sometimes if you're not getting that look from the person you wanted to mm-hmm. it does affect you psychologically right so but that look you get sometimes when you put that suit on it's nice <laughs> <laughs> okay so it could be a look what else could it be i think a very well-intentioned gift something that means a lot where something that you probably wouldn't think about not necessarily something that you could just go buy at the mall or something mm-hmm. like that, but you know, if it, if it came from a place um, where maybe they were paying attention to not necessarily anything you were saying, maybe something you were doing mm-hmm. or something intuitive in that sense, um, that could mean a lot, you know. Right. Um, and that that would kind of do it for me too, where you feel like, oh, they really do care. Right. Okay, that's fair. So, a gift. It could be a look. What else? I feel like we're covering the five. Uh, yes. I know. Because I was just I'm about like, to say the act. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, when you come home and like, you know, uh, something's done nice, whether it's uh, a nice dinner is made or uh, like, you know what? Uh, I've prepped a movie downstairs. We're going to have a night in and watch a movie. Like, you know, those are nice. Those are nice okay. gestures. Okay. So, so acts of service. Yeah, acts of service. <laughs> yes, I feel like we're going right <laughs> we're going down the list. list. Yeah, any, any one of those things. That's true. No but that helps us true. feel desired, I guess. That's why the experts have made this. Uh, or maybe we're just being telling of what we're which which category we fall. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. But part of this is like you know when we talk about the real in the moment things. Um, that sometimes we either look for in our relationship or just out in the world. It's like, what makes you feel desired, right? Like, what is that thing that makes you want to get that touch from your partner? Um, what it, or, and I would flip the question and say, what does your partner do that makes you desire her? Ah, tough question. <laughs> tough question. It's hard. I think when she is like her authentic self, like right. how she is with herself, how she is with her loved ones, um, the genuine sincereness of her, like, just, you know, just being really nice, like, being sincere, being loving, and knowing that there's no, like, fine print. There's no, you know, like, I don't need to buy a, you know, a, a purse or something for her that want, like, it's just basically we're a team, we work together, and it's, yeah, like she's a mother, and, and, and I see how she's with my son, and she takes the time and the energy, and they're very passionate with each other. It does get loud, um, but I can see that, you know, she's in it, and, and uh, she won't leave him, she won't leave me, and that fight, mm-hmm. you know, to work together, so. Something that makes me desire her is I like strength, and I, I like it when she speaks up for herself, 
mm-hmm. um, or when she defends herself, or or me, <laughs> when she's chasing people <laughs> off her front porch, <laughs> saying, "Go away, we don't want your Rogers deal. Get off my porch." <laughs> or when I don't know, we've been in like I don't know. Just, I like I like a, a woman with a strong personality. I like mm-hmm. I don't, and and for some reason that makes me desire her more. I, just, I don't like. The timidness, I like strength and mm-hmm. personality and standing up for yourself and and what you believe in and, and standing up for others. Mm-hmm. So when I see her do that, I got, I, I like it. Okay. So I'm going to try to kind of put this into words as best I can. But So when I, when I first moved here, um, I didn't know the city. Right. And uh, when I met my wife, um, I, like I said, I think in an earlier uh, recording, uh, it took couple of dates to kind of, to kind of get something started but um but she showed me around the city and she right. took me to places that I've never seen before and right. I got to experience things I've never experienced before and right. you know eat at places I've never eaten before so she was almost like my guide uh and navigated me through this this some this place that was very unreal Right. And then, you know, when we were, you know, before we were sort of more settled in, uh, we used to travel a bit and there would be another area where even though she wasn't really my guy for those moments, like we were right. exploring them together. And right. I think um, now when we do get the rare occasion and when I do see her like that, where she's going to like, let's go here and let's go see this thing. And right. she'll kind of show me, um, you know, something or have me experience something new. Like it's this, I don't explain it, but it's this thing that I, I find with her that kind of brings up that desire again where I want to I want to know more or I want her to show me more things and I want to right. experience more with her and kind of discover and explore with her so it's again it's like this theme of the strength of the showing up um, like leading and guiding it's like a lioness right like yeah. I think it's a, it's a very like strong independent driven protective woman that wants to you know, go through life with you side by side, you know, like your battle partner, you know. Okay. So. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds pretty easy. It's <laughs> <laughs> progression. No, but it's good because it's like you don't have to wear the cape and the cowl all the time, right? You don't have to have that, like, that image, that mask that you wear that for the, the world to see. You can take it off and remove it and it's safe and accepting. Right. But that's also part of like intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we always think of intimacy as like sex, but part before I get to even that, it's can I be my authentic and real self so that I can get to those places with you and be free? Uh, because if I can't be okay with my personality with you, the level of freeness in a long term relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put this conversation yeah, in a box and <laughs> be very clear what we're talking about uh, because long-term relationships and intimacy and sex is different from short-term relationships. Spontaneity, fun, all that sort of stuff. It comes, it goes, you're all, whatever, right? That's different. But in a long-term relationship is how do I keep that desire alive, right? How do I keep that d- intimacy alive? So that's a whole, <laughs> just putting it in a frame, <laughs> Uh, specifically about what we're talking about, right? Being your authentic self with somebody that in a long-term relationship can spark intimacy. Then I have the room to be playful or silly or whatever it is, um, which is different from short-term relationship. Okay, I feel like we need to have some more fun now. <laughs> yeah. This was the fun time. Like, I just like sucked all the energy out and I was like, uh... Um, 
So when we talk about, we talked about the emotional side of these things. So I guess the fun part would be the actual, like the act, the sexual act with your partner. Are you free enough to tell your partner what your fantasy is? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Roman was just like whoa, out the whoa, gate. Whoa. Sorry. <laughs> I was waiting for that question all evening. <laughs> no, but I think like if you're in a long-term relationship, that um, the, the best thing of of being in that relationship is that the other person knows what you like. In the sense, I'm not talking about like specific acts or, or gestures, but they they know what you like, and you know what they like without having to to verbalize it. Right. Um, and that's. Uh, that's an amazing thing. And you can be, you know, you can release the control. You can release the power. You can release the, um, you know, if you're in a position of authority or power or control, whatever, you can right. allow someone to take care of you. You know, if you're always taking care of people, um, you know, some people have the whole thing that sex is a, a power struggle. Right. Right. Uh, who's controlling what and whatever. But if you kind of like know that, you know, we can work with each other and know each other and right. where each other's interests are, Community to the likes. It's it's really amazing. <laughs> well, we know what Roman's life is like. <laughs> what? But yeah, do you feel comfortable enough to tell your partner what your fantasy is? Yeah, I think I think to Roman's point, like <laughs> with a long term relationship, you sort of figure out kind of what each other likes. And, right. But but I think my favorite thing is sort of as you go, uh, like it just becomes fun. Right. And it's not something that's so serious or so yeah. nerve-wracking. And yeah. um, there's something beautiful about having fun with it, right? right Where it's, right. it's there's a lot of like humor to it as well as like, you know, everything else, right? So right. it's 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 knowing each other, knowing each other's bodies, knowing what you like, knowing what they like. I think especially after, you know, you get into your like mid-age and you have a couple <laughs> kids, <laughs> you become pretty fun with everything, right? When you have the time. When normally you don't have the time. Right. Or you're worried about little hands opening the door. <laughs> that's where we get the lock. <laughs> right. But again, we were talking about playfulness, right? Like yeah. that's a part of a long-term relationship. How mm-hmm. do you find playfulness in your relationship after three years, four years, mm-hmm. five years, ten years? Uh, after everybody's bodies change. It gets hard. Just women's bodies change. Men's bodies change too, mm-hmm. right? It's a whole different topic, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another time. We'll write it down. <laughs> They can't see us, right? (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's real, right? Um, Your desires change over time, and your body changes, and what feels good may change over time, and how do you navigate that? You're not as flexible either, you know? You're not doing enough yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Can't get my leg up on there anymore. But I feel it's more of an emotional connection opposed to, like, when you're younger, it's more of the visual. It's more of the curb appeal of what people Mm. present. But when you get older or you have a long-term relationship, you get past that, right? Like, so why you put on, like, five or ten pounds or things have changed? Obviously, things are going to change. But it's your, like, emotional and mental uh, and spiritual connection with that person right. that will keep the, you know, the flame going on. Right. And, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you're with that person. You love them. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Saying that, so I find that interesting. What would you tell younger men about sex? That you wish someone told you? I would be honest, it sounds out there, but I would say, listen, try not to like uh, get too much into like porn. I think pornography is a big killer of relationships. Uh, it sets unrealistic expectations on or a false 
sense of what physical uh, you know, what sex is. Yeah, right. I, can, I agree with that too, especially mm-hmm. with how accessible it is now. It's so accessible. Like what it used to be like. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, you know, being all of us around the same age, we sort of live through that transition where it used to be like, <laughs> Someone's got a videotape somewhere, yeah. or there's a magazine <laughs> to like. Oh, I got the internet so, <laughs> on my phone. My yeah, it's right here. <laughs> right. So um, I think it creates a false expectations and narratives and, and what you think should be happening. Um, right. And and interestingly enough, because we're from that generation where you had both sides of it, right. um, you can kind of see through it a little bit. Right. But then I, you know, I, I wonder what it's like for those born after us, where you're growing up with that. And, right. and it is so prevalent and it's, you know, there's no barriers to it. Like whatever you're into, it's there right. and it's free whenever you need it. Right. 24 seven, 365. Like, <laughs> but that's what I would tell my younger self. I was like, listen, that's, that's not real. Right. And, yeah. and, the, and, and I guess if you are young and you watch that, and obviously if you're young, you're not having a plethora of partners. Uh, well, maybe some people, but um, like that, that that's, that becomes your what you expect. You watch it; it's on there. That's what you expect, and when right. it becomes like live and living color, and it's below that expectation because it's not real, then you're like, "Why can't it be?" Right. And that's what I would tell the younger version. Okay. Any other suggestions for the younger male in sex? Well, yeah, I think if you're if you're looking for something that is kind of more substantial than just the act itself. Uh, then it's more than just the physical aspect. It's you know trying to develop. I mean, and then this is of course if contextual, if you want it to mean something. Uh, but you know, trying to have some sort of emotional connection with the person, because that is going to mean so much more than just the physical, the physical part of it. Knowing knowing the person that you're with and developing some sort of connection. You know, that that goes a long way than, than just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's like in, in pornography, there's like, you know, you can watch a series of like cum shots, right? Like, what is that really about? Like, that's about, <laughs> right. but, but the reality, it's like a series of releases. And, and it's this idea that it's only about me. Hmm. And so that's the idea that's promoted, that this release is just about me. Hmm. Um, and so that's what I'm aiming towards. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. And that's not the reality of intimacy and connection. Hmm. Hmm. If you hear our silence, it's because <laughs> there's thinking faces. I was going to say before the series of cum shots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just no, being real. Like, you have to be real. Like, like, um, <laughs> I would, I would kind of say, you know, Sorry, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't, uh, feel embarrassed. Right. And I think that's a big thing with, with guys, especially when you're younger and you're just getting into this. Um, it's, it's like people are embarrassed to go buy condoms. Right. You know, people are embarrassed to buy, uh, you know, contraceptives. That's ridiculous. Like right. if you're going to go through with the act, be safe about it. Right. You know, and that's one thing I think about, you know, now that I have a son too, it's like when they get to that age, it's like. Don't be stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you need them, go get them. And if right. you're too, you know, don't be embarrassed to walk in the store and buy them. And, um, right. you know, growing up, I had a, a friend who made that mistake and was too, you know, after he ran out, he was too embarrassed to get more and ended up having a kid at like 15, mm-hmm. right? Because he was just like naive about it. Right. Um, don't mess around, you know, be smart. 
and have fun, right? right? And that's the whole point of it. And it gets it gets so wrapped up in all this other stuff because uh, of how tab- taboo culture makes it, right. and because yeah. of how ridiculous porn makes it. Right. And it, it's none of it's it's neither of those things, right. you know. It is it's two people having fun, right? And um, and, and we lose yeah, and we lose sight of that, right? Right, Horatio. <laughs> Horatio, the bartender. Be safe. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, that- here's a question for Davy. You mentioned son, and I'm worried you have a daughter. Would you do the same for your daughter? Absolutely. You know, um, education's key. Um, I, I think that's that's super important that she's comfortable with her body. She understands who she chooses as partners. Um, you know, it's a conversation that has to happen at an even younger age than we think or would like it to. Um, you know, as soon as, um, the kids start developing, you should be having that conversation. Cause I mean, we talked about, like, we had that question, like, well, when did you guys, and I was 15. Some of you guys were 18. Some of you were in your twenties and it's even younger now. And I recognize that as, as a parent kind of coming up and instead of getting upset about it, I'd rather right. arm her with what she needs to make sure she makes smart decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen regardless. Like. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. We, we, I don't know firsthand. I mean, I dated a girl who wasn't allowed to date, right? And I'm sure probably all of us maybe knew someone that couldn't date or you did it anyway. And you forbid them from doing it. They're going to do it. So right. you, you not encouraging like, them. It's but that, that's it's the embarrassment thing, right? Yeah. It's like right. there's this fear of, of embarrassment or there's this fear of talking about it or owning up to it or that your parents might find out. And right. then it makes you make missteps and it, it guides you in the wrong direction. Right. And, uh, and sometimes it, it creates rebellion and then you're just right. doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's better to talk to them and be, hopefully they're prepared for it than the complete opposite of that, which is... Don't do it. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. But it's it's <laughs> silly to me, and I mean I don't know if I'm I might be you know one of the only ones who holds that opinion. But like we're all here <laughs> <laughs> because of one reason. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We are all here. Well, on that <laughs> note, <laughs> on that note. Um, I think we talked about what your message would be. So I guess tonight everybody's going home to somebody. Silence. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so my thing well, is... Horatio's open for a few other hours. <laughs> <laughs> I want home. My script ended a while ago. But the whole idea is you're going home to somebody today, um, and when we talk about desire, how will you make this fun when you go home today? <laughs> bom, bom, bom. <laughs> Food for thought. You don't have to say it right now. You can think about it. No, it's fair. We've had a lot of conversation and a lot to think about, and um, it's been good to reminisce on some of the important things. So, yeah. I mean, you know, when I get home, I'll definitely try to ease the burden of dealing with two kids by herself and, um, you know, make, make, uh, make my wife, give my wife a break and let her rest. Right. right. Is that fun for me? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, it is like, it's it, to be honest. Cause I work the way I work. I don't get to see, um, my kids as much as I want to. Mm. Um, and I just switched jobs where I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with my son being so little, it's like, 
you know, I come home, hey, he's crawling. I come home, hey, he's like three feet bigger. What happened? <laughs> so, um, yeah, no. I, he's I, shaving I, next week. <laughs> the way that kid's growing, I'm more than happy to kind of get back and and, um, and deal with that. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that concludes another episode of Decoding the Man. Uh, so stay tuned for next time. And that would be episode number four.